Welcome to the In Pursuit of Luxury podcast. This is part two of a chat I had with Paul A. Young, the amazing and inspirational chocolatier who is at the forefront of British chocolate innovation. Never the conformist and as an alchemist, he continues to push the boundaries of taste by combining what may seem to be unusual ingredients. His passion for his craft and his cutting edge creativity has won him numerous awards, including Outstanding Chocolatier by the International Chocolate Awards. And his chocolates are delicious. I know because I've tasted them. Paul, welcome to the In Pursuit of Luxury podcast. Tell me a bit about the ingredients. Tell us about the origin of some of your materials and ingredients. I'm really impressed that you used the word origin because it's such an important word. Some people say provenance or who, who supplies you. But as a chocolatier, we don't make chocolate. We've got the grower who grows the cacao, then the producer. Sometimes they're together, but then, you, then you've got the chocolatier. We only use coverture, which is a fancy name for chocolate. That is either from a B Corp company, which has they have companies like Valrona from Val, Valley of the Rhone is where they are based. They, we've used, I've been using them since 1996, and they have 100% traceability on every piece of chocolate. That is so insanely amazing. Um, Gittard chocolate I use from America, French-American family. Again, they work directly with their growers. They've got traceability. Luca chocolate I use from Colombia. Family business, I work directly with them. Uh, we sub- get supplied, and they have control they, they we know that there is no compromise there's no, no nothing in their supply chain that doesn't fit with our business and personal ethics and we all know with all commodities there can be cases where children are involved again you know with forced labor and so on and you know I'm not speaking out of term with that it's in there but we make sure that we're not involved with companies that have that in their supply chain. It's very important we don't and that we pay, everyone pays a much higher price for their chocolate so that the growers get a fair or better than fair price. But that means the same with our sugar. We use Billington's sugar. I've been an ambassador for Billington's for many years because it's unrefined. I know the process is very short. It's sugar, because I've done it in Mauritius. You cut sugar cane, you squeeze it and boil it. That's it. It's amazing. But also with spices and alcohol and all the other things, dairy, you know, um, we try and use the very, very best we can because you can't make cheap chocolate or badly made chocolate or low-grade cocoa beans taste great, no matter what you do. It's like I remember Keith Floyd saying this, and he's a, he is an absolute hero of mine. He drank great wine while cooking on TV, but he used that wine, that great wine that he was drinking in his red wine sauce. You can't make crap wine taste great in a, in a red wine sauce. It's got to be great already. But you've got to be proud of the ingredients you're using. And I remember, this is, a, this is just a little example, where a lot of people come up to me at chocolate shows and festivals when they're starting out. And they ask me to taste their chocolates and give them some critique, which I think is a very humbling thing to do. And I'm very proud to do it. But brace yourself for honesty, because your family and friends will have lied to you. They would have told you everything tastes amazing. Not mine. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I'm sending chocolates to your family. And um, I would taste the chocolates 
I'd say, you know, the filling is amazing. It's beautiful. But you know what? The shell that you've used, the aftertaste isn't great. And this has happened on a few occasions where they've apologized and said, I know we're using this da -da 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 chocolate, which we know isn't very good, but it's cheap. I'm like, first of all, handmade chocolates, can't, you can't say they're cheap. Second of all, that means you're not proud of your ingredients and you're not supporting the growers and you, you haven't taken the time to get out there and taste. Because everybody who buys chocolates in boxes from a chocolate shop is prepared to spend that little bit more for fantastic quality chocolate. Do you describe your chocolates as luxury? That's such a great question because when people say to me, what kind of chocolate do you... I get asked, do I make Belgian chocolates a lot? Because we, we, that term is very common. There's no such thing as Belgian chocolate because there is no cacao grown in Belgium, everybody. It's just around the equator. Um, it's a style. I make British chocolates. But I do say to people, yeah, I make luxury chocolates. And for me, what that means is using the very best chocolate, first of all, from producers who care about the growers or their own beans, and they don't over-refine it. So they're not adding palm oil, vegetable fats, flavorings. It's cocoa beans, sugar sometimes vanilla, to make the chocolate. It's using pure natural ingredients. It's We make entirely by hand. We have not a single piece of automated equipment to make the thousands and thousands and thousands of chocolates and products we make. So for, for us, that's always been our ethos that we make handmade chocolates. So we don't just hand decorate or hand finish. We hand temper, hand mold, hand fill, hand decorate, hand pack. This idea that you can customise something is really a luxury experience. It's the biggest part of luxury we've always had because we have always had our production on site in our shops, which is very rare to have a shop luxury where you make on site in London, particularly. But it means that if a client walks through the door and I'm there, or one of the team or managers are there, you can have that conversation. You can say what the time scale is. You can say what you can achieve, the minimum order. The you know, it, it makes it very personal because most people get a surprise when you say, no, you can't have what you've asked for, but we can do something even better. Or let's talk, because most people, when they, particularly corporate clients who want luxury gifts, and we do a lot of luxury gifts for watch cl watchmaker clients, that kind of high-end luxury, where they want something just for them, just for their clients, and their clients do demand to, to know and want that this is just available because they go to that particular store, jeweler, designer, whatever that may be. So we, we supply Chilton Firehouse, restaurant and hotel, with a chocolate designed just for them that we will not and cannot sell in our shops or online. It's just theirs. And if people see it and want it, the only place they're going to get it is Chilton Firehouse. And we've we've done that for five fields, a Michelin star restaurant as well. They've got a chocolate right now, which is just theirs. We don't sell it and make it for ourselves. It, people know it's us making them, it's on the menu. And that that's a lovely thing because a lot of catering, supply and catalogues mean you just have to pick what's there. You can buy chocolates off the shelf to as your petty fours, but they're not going to be for you specifically. And that's where that uniqueness comes in, where we can help chefs as well as retailers, as well as private clients. If they've got something specific, we'll have that conversation. And quite often, most, most of the time, we 
end up saying, yes, we can do that. I've just thought of a brilliant present. Perfume houses, some of them, you can go and have a customised experience. Is there anywhere in the world you can give somebody a chocolate experience so they can have their, like you've made the Chilton Firehouse chocolate, could you do that? Yeah, we've done that before. We've we've given it out as charity prizes at high-end charity gigs as well for people like Terence Higgins Trust um, where an accident against hunger where the client will come and spend a day or an afternoon, however much time they've got, or an evening in the production kitchen. We talk through the chocolate they like, the characters, we do a tasting. They, they maybe want a specific cognac because they had it 40, 50 years ago or a specific champagne, whatever it is. And we'll make, we'll make them, make a box, and they can set up a standing order, for example, for that box every single month for a year. Um, and it's a, ni- it's a nice gift. I'm thinking about what we were talking about earlier, this alchemy and innovation. You've mentioned variations or varieties of chocolates so you get single origin chocolate, wherever it may come from, different chocolates having different notes, the cocoa content. Do you see yourself as a craftsman in the ways in which you use your materials? Yes, it, it is a craft and a skill. It's a very much, you know, I, I hold my hands up a lot. And I don't, it's a craft with your hands. It's the craft of learning how you taste because your tongue is your own you i no longer go into chocolate tastings and say to people you will taste this in this chocolate unless there is a very strong character from that origin but i will say your tongue is yours you're going to taste whatever you taste write down what you experience because you won't be wrong i can't tell you you're going to be wrong now, that's changed. 15 years ago, I would say to you right now, we're going to taste a 64% Madagascan now, and it will be red fruits, berries, cranberries, full stop. You know, because that was the style of how to taste then. Now, it's very much you learn your own tongue. You taste a lot all the time, and you pick up whatever you pick up, and you write it down over years and years and years. Then you engage with the origins, the percentages, how long the chocolate, the beans are being roasted? What what are they like melted? What are they like as a cream ganache filling, a caramel, a water ganache filling? It becomes this massive subject where you can get frustrated because you you keep on learning because there's more new chocolate, new origins, new percentages, new varieties coming all of the time, and new producers. But that's what makes it a craft. It's like a wine taster. If you've tasted all the wines, your career's over. You can't taste all the wines. There's too many, and there are new ones all of the time. So the, that craft of not just creating with your hands, before you even get to that point, you have to use your craft to determine the components, the flavour, the shape, the feel, the emotion that chocolate will deliver, not for you, for all your customers. Are your team trained under you? Because you were saying that each of the chocolates is made by hand. There's no automation. I mean, that's quite a complex undertaking. They are all trained under me. But because my team, some have progressed at the same time and some differently, we support each other now. My team are so passionate about doing it by hand because it is such a skilled craft. 
if I bought tempering machines, which that would melt the chocolate and temperature control it to make it shiny and crisp, A, people would be out of work. And what we'd be doing was cleaning machines all the time because we use so many different varieties of chocolate. You can't have a machine for every chocolate. And I cannot think of something more tedious than going in and cleaning greasy chocolate out of a machine to put another one in to wait for it to melt. We can do that quicker by hand. But luxury isn't easy. Standard is, because I would say to you, oh, yes, we use one milk chocolate, one white and one dark for all of our chocolates. That is standard. There's nothing special about it. and There's certainly nothing luxury about it, which is why when I see luxury chocolates, there's a strap line being banded around crap chocolates that are not genuinely not luxury. It annoys me. I'd love everyone to see the, the depth of detail we have to go into to give us, for me to sit here confidently and say, our chocolates are luxury, but everyone can afford one of our chocolates. Even if it's the only one you ever have, you'll have an experience and you may only have one a year. That's all right. But you've, you've experienced a luxury, refined, beautiful, experiential chocolate. We're bombarded with this word luxury. I think the word luxury has been misused now because it is, I'll, I'll be honest, it is relative. So when I grew up in a council estate in a mining village where at the time when I was, say, 15, 16, it was luxurious to have double cream or a chicken breast because they were expensive and they weren't commonplace. But that's because that's where I was in my life. So I would say having chicken was luxurious. Now I wouldn't say it's luxurious because I have it quite often. And that's relative. But then there is, I can't believe I'm saying this, so everyone can roll their eyes at me listening right now. It's absolutely fine. You can buy chicken breasts and you can buy luxury chicken breasts, you know, from organic, free-range, black-footed hen, blah, blah, and so on. The same with chocolate, you know. If you feel if you're feeling luxurious, you might treat yourself to two bars of dairy milk and feel luxurious. But another person would choose a five pound single origin single bean variety chocolate bar and feel luxurious. It's just I think the word now has the meaning of it has lit, been a little bit stretched too far because I think luxury means something you don't have necessarily have that often. Unless you can afford to, and you, and even if you have it every single day, you still get that same feeling of this makes me feel special. Tasting chocolate has changed. So I used to really enjoy Leonidas. Yeah. They don't really taste the same to me anymore. Is it because my taste buds have changed or the mechanization of the manufacturer has changed? So it's changed the flavor notes. I get asked this a lot now because I've been in the industry a long time. And there are two answers. One is that Leonidas may say, no, we've never changed our recipes. They are the same. Possibly even if they haven't tweaked them slightly. Um, or you have evolved past that level. So for me, I can appreciate, for example, the nostalgia a confectionery bar gives me at 70 pence to a pound um, and it is what it is 
but I get frustrated and quite annoyed when I go somewhere like Leonis or I remember it being Thornton's because I used to love Thornton's in the 80s. They were the best you could get from a Thornton's chocolate shop. And I believe they changed dramatically over the years and it lost the character that initially drew me in and made me fall in love with it. I solely believe that that changed. Consumers, whether you feel like you're a a chocoholic, a chocolate connoisseur, a chocolate lover, or, or a, or a choc- chocolatier. It doesn't matter what level you are. You know, if you eat something regularly and it changes, then your opinion is correct, even if the producer says it hasn't changed. I'll be honest, I there was only one period where some a few people, our customers, said we changed our salted caramel recipe and we hadn't. It's because single origin chocolate at that high level those Grand Cru beans that are just picked, fermented, dried, roasted, made into chocolate. They change in character from season to season, from crop to crop, because of the weather and the terroir and everything, and the roast and the blends. They do naturally change. And how clever are my customers for picking up on that? We hadn't changed the recipe of the chocolate, but these natural variances do change. That will happen in confectionery as well. There's, there are specialists and experts in all of those big confectionery companies blending cocoa beans all the time so that your chocolate tastes the same all the time. That is such an incredible skill because they're not the same beans every time. It's a different crop from the same trees, but it may have rained more or less. It could have been hotter and dry, you know. There's all kinds of things with chocolate and cacao that change the flavours. I wanted to talk about chocolate and well-being. Yeah. Uh, And I was wondering what your thoughts are on that, because we are often told that good chocolate is good for you. What are your thoughts? You're ready for my rant. (laughs) I think no one should ever sell chocolate with a health claim, first of all. Of course, there are beneficial compounds and chemicals in cocoa beans, theobroma cacao, the name, theobromine, that make us feel great when we eat it, particularly pure chocolate. So I'm not talking about confectionery, anything with vegetable fats and other stuff in. We're talking about high percentage milk chocolate or dark chocolate, where dopamine is released into the brain and it makes us feel good. We've got endorphins being released because... The theobromine hits our brain and our brain thinks it's stimulated. The brain doesn't know whether you've taken cocaine, a drug, a cigarette, alcohol or chocolate. It doesn't know. It just knows that this chemical has come in from somewhere and it fires dopamine and you feel great. That's the first thing. It makes us feel good. It, um, it has been proven to dilate blood vessels. So it helps with your LDL cholesterol and heart disease. But it doesn't matter how high the percentage you go, chocolate is held together with a fat that is a solid at room temperature. We all know what fats that are solid at room temperature contain, which is saturated fat. If you squeeze an olive, an olive, you get olive oil and it's liquid at room temperature. If you squeeze a cocoa bean, once you've warmed the bean up, you have to warm the bean up to liquefy the fat, you'll get cocoa butter, but as it cools down, it sets solid. If you take the fat out of your chocolate, you get cocoa powder. Nobody wants to eat cocoa powder on its own. So chocolate is calorie dense, even at 100%, even at 0%, which is white chocolate. 
it's just the higher percentage of gold, the lower sugar. So if you're lowering your sugar in your diet, go higher percent. You can't lower your fat with chocolate. So I always think it's a little bit misleading when people say this chocolate is healthy. It depends how you define healthy. But I do believe if you've got a chocolate bar that's say 70 or 80 percent when you've put a mixture of seeds, nuts and dried fruit in, yeah, you're going to get some benefit from the seeds and nuts and the, and the cacao. But you are still getting a lot of fat. It is what, you know, that is what chocolate is. It's like if you, olive oil has the same amount of calories as butter. It's just butter is saturated, a lot of saturated fat and olive oil doesn't. The calories are similar. It's just a different form of getting them into your body. But what I say to people is the one thing with chocolate about health and well-being, and I use the word well-being with chocolate a lot, it is soul food. It makes you feel good because of how luxurious it is, because of how evocative it is, because it melts our body temperature. It's the only food that melts our body temperature. It it is intoxicating. It's sexual. It's um, sensual. It's got all of these headings which make it very, very special. And everybody smiles when they eat chocolate. It's healthy to enjoy something you love. That's a good point. So aside from your own chocolate, what is your favorite that um, kind of gives you a sense of um, happiness? This is, I find it's a really, really hard question because it depends on my mood. So I'm very, I am very, very food mood related. And if I'm, and I will allow my body just, if I fancy beige carbs, I will just eat beige carbs because my body is wanting beige carbs. If I'm wanting, for me, a chocolate bar that delivers joy, happiness, and I believe, in, like when I eat it, it's the best bar in the world. There is one right now. There's two. There's two, sorry. One is from a company called Bare Bones Chocolate in Glasgow. It's a uh, Dominican Republic with sea salt. It's incredible. Um, and the other one is, I'm talking like bean to bar chocolate, is the Grenada Chocolate Company who make, very, this is very rare, they grow the cacao and make it on the farm in Grenada. And it's sold around the world. Um, and it's, they've got like a 70, I think it's 72 or 74% and it's absolutely wonderful. So that's high end. If I'm feeling comfort, I need to curl up and hide away. Anything with chocolate orange, milk chocolate, is my addictive force. Seriously, it's definitely a childhood thing. It's definitely nostalgia. Why has there been this sudden explosion of sea salt and chocolate and salted caramel? Where's that come from? Sea salted caramel, when I first made it, was 19 years ago, 18, 19 years ago. So sea salt caramel has been nearly a 20-year success, overnight success. It's taken a long time. And it is, you've got, to, you've got to define this. If you go to the supermarket and buy salted caramel, do not expect it to be sea salt. First of all, everybody, it could just be table salt and not necessarily in the best caramel. If you go to a chocolatier or it says sea salted, you are going to get a better flavoured sea salted caramel. When you eat caramel on its own, it's very, very sweet. A little bit of salt just brings the sweetness level down and intensifies the caramel butterscotch toffee flavours. When you put sea salt into dark or milk chocolate, 
It intensifies the chocolate flavour. It's exactly like boiling a pan of carrots or steaming your carrots and veg and having no salt. They taste great, but a little bit of salt just adds a sparkle. And it does the same thing in chocolate. You'll be surprised in how many recipes we put salt in where you don't know it's in there, even in a fruit recipe, where it just lit. The flavour's here, but you need a lift. You can do that with things like um, lactic acid and vitamin C, where it adds a bit of sparkle and acidity. But when you don't want acidity, you've added a bit of salt. You can try this, everybody. Next time you make any dessert, whether you're making a creme anglaise, your crumble, you know, make a fruit crumble or a Victoria sandwich cake, whatever it is, a sprinkle of salt just elevates it up. It actually makes you want to eat a bit more of it because you've seasoned it. And that's that's the secret. We all love that balance of sweet and sour or sweet and salty. We just don't know it. And that's because it, you, we, all, we all don't know it because when you go and buy a burger from nearly every burger company shop, whether it's a multinational or a small independent, that burger bun now is usually brioche or sweetened with the salt, very salty filling. We love salt and sugar together. So that's why it works so well. I just wanted to ask you about technology. I'm very analog. I think I'm an old soul, you know. I wanted to know how, if and how you engage with technology in the kitchen, um, with um, the experience. I think technology is the most incredible thing. And I, and I use that as a non-tech person with the biggest umbrella for technology. I'm, I'm talking about everything electronic that can have the ability to do the things the human brain struggles with or can't do or, you know. But for me as a chocolatier, we make by hand. I'm very, I, I will honestly and very proud to say I'm very analog. And what about when you're making something? So, oh, I don't know. Um different mixers and blenders and stirrers and uh, you know it's like Rydell glasses they feel so nice you can't go back to anything else no so if you use one of those for Bordeaux or a Shiraz or a Merlot they say you should have a different glass for every wine so with making chocolate does a different paddle give it a different texture if you mix it at a different speed for example I think the, the the nearest thing we have are all the different chocolate moulds because the thing that changes the mixing of the chocolate are the different people. We all spread the chocolate differently, scrape it differently, handle it differently. But the technology in making these precision moulds to get the chocolate shapes the same every time, same size, same definition, same shine, that's where technology comes in because we're relying on the mould companies to produce those for us. To have and to make them to order for our clients who want very specific shapes and sizes, that's where tech, tech comes in quite a lot. The client will give us an idea of artwork and sizing. I will send it off to the mold makers. They send a sample back. I mold it, send it off to you know. So that that bit of tech, yeah, that that's very specific um, in design. But when it comes to actual all the other chocolate stuff, it's people. But we use tech. I'm saying. I've just realized we do use tech more than I actually think. Every spec sheet for every recipe, all the ratios, all the volumes, all the precise recipes so that when everyone buys chocolate, it's the same every time, the same experience every time, is inputted through tech. Every single, it used to be on pen, pen and paper. Now everything is inputted 
batch numbers, batch sizes, who made it, when it was made. So we have traceability on everything. All of that is now also on online and on tech rather than on paper. On paper. I mean, interesting you said that it's dependent on the person making the chocolate because each person has their own handwriting in effect. I can tell who's, made, which, who's rolled chocolate onto a truffle by the finish because mine is, with my fingers, is very specific and everyone looks very similar. If someone else, they look the same but different. You know, there's a variance on people's hands because my hands are my, my shape. I can tell if someone's made a certain chocolate because one of my team has a very specific way of doing it. You get the same result, but you can tell who's made it. It's like five people in a room, you give them the same ingredients, they all make the same cake, they'll all come out slightly differently. So I'm going to end as I always end. I mean, this could, I could go on for hours, but what is your luxury? My luxury has changed. In the past few years, I, I worked so ferociously hard from coming to London, 1996, of six, seven days a week, long hours, especially when I started my business, that my luxury when I was working those seven days a week for years in the business, which is what businesses need to grow, and I was absorbed, you know, I was properly geeked into, the ho- into my chocolate and I was absorbing myself in it. My luxury was time then, time to relax, time to see friends. I've now got a little bit more time and I am rediscovering things from before I had my business that I used to enjoy. I love sparkling wine and champagne and every single time I have it, I feel special. It comes from my uncle Mike, who now isn't with us, who introduced me to wine and Riedel glasses. And I inherited, when he passed away a couple of years ago, a set of glasses. So I now have a glass for every wine. Um, But we would have, every time I went to visit, whether it was a Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Saturday, he'd open a bottle of champagne and we'd have some crisps with it. And I, I started something with my friends called Champagne Tuesdays, where we would be really tired. But once a month, we'd meet up and have a glass of champagne each rather than wine or something. I feel special with champagne. Um, and that's one of my luxuries. Um, and now I'm, I'm rediscovering my love of creativity outside of work. And I, I see that right now as a luxury to me because I haven't had that for such a long time. That luxury of having the time to explore is absolutely wonderful. And, and the time to spend with people. I'm, I'm currently exploring my English sparkling wines. They're amazing. But I feel every sip is a luxury and feel special, you know, and that's just because I don't do, I didn't do that when I was working so very much. And now I'm kind of just going, well, you know, what? I've got, I don't have to be in at six in the morning tomorrow. Let's have a little glass of fizz midweek. Doesn't have to be all of it. You can get a stopper to put in and you can have another two another night. It just feels really special to do that. Paul A. Young, thank you so much for joining me on the In Pursuit of Luxury podcast. Thank you so much. Lovely to talk about chocolate, but also some great questions. And you you didn't ask me the question, do I still like chocolate? So thank you for not asking it, because I'm not going to answer. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Paul, for joining us. Thank you to our partners, Intellect Books. Thank you for listening. And don't forget... 
you can catch up on all previous episodes of the In Pursuit of Luxury podcast at inpursuitofluxury.com or on your preferred social media channel.